Welcome to Pillar and Ground Podcast. I'm Brian Salter, lead pastor at LMPC, and this episode is a Pillar and Ground Questions episode where we seek to provide biblical perspective for today's pressing questions. Today we're dealing with the question of how do you wrestle with all that's wrong in the world, really the reality of lament. We talked about discontent, sinful and selfish discontent in a previous episode, and I mentioned there a holy discontent, a sense of things are wrong and I don't like it and we weren't made for this. That's true. That's a real challenge that we all face. And I want to take you today to three phrases in the Gospels that have really helped me as I face and live and wrestle with what's wrong. In a grief observe, C.S. Lewis notes, no one ever told me that grief felt so much like fear. You know, the haunting fear of grief begins to raise questions in our souls about God at the depths of our being. During my mother's fierce and agonizing battle with Parkinson's, God used these three gospel narratives, two in Mark and one in John, to help me understand my heart, my fear, my grief, what I was wrestling with, with God, as I faced what was wrong in terms of sickness with my mother. Those three scenes I'm going to share with you have helped me process my pain with God. And I want to share those as maybe a helpful way for you to express lament, which is taking your honest heart to God in prayer and not saying what you think he wants to hear, but where you are and seeking to have him meet you there. The first phrase is, don't you care? The second phrase is, don't bother. And the third phrase is, if you had been here. Those three phrases have formed a way for me to process grief and pray. First, don't you care? In Mark 4, Jesus tells his disciples they're going to the other side of the sea, but he doesn't say anything about a smooth ride. A furious squall arises, and yet Jesus does not arise. He's asleep. The disciples ask the question that resides in our hearts when we feel the fury of a broken world and simultaneously sense God's distance, we in our hearts began to cry, don't you care? This inquiry reveals our wrestling match with God's goodness as we face all that is wrong. It's normal in those moments of facing what's wrong to say, how could you sit by and let this terrible thing happen to us? Are you good? Don't you care? The psalmist often echoed such a question, asking God, to arise and waken. Psalm 7, 6, Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God, decree justice. Psalm thirty-five twenty-three, Awake and rise to my defense. Contend for me, my God and Lord. Psalm forty-four twenty-three, Awake, O Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. The psalmist is not just guilty of bad theology. God never slumbers or sleeps. He's saying what he feels. It feels like you're asleep. What the disciples experienced in Mark 4. Wake up. Don't you care? In the disciples' storm, Jesus eventually arises and quiets the storm. But I, like you, have asked why he doesn't do that in my life. Why are there times in my life where I never see him arise and act? Where the storm is never quieted, it feels. And though I don't know the full answer to that question, though it may feel to me like Jesus is asleep on me, 
We have to learn to live by faith in the storm. That's what Jesus told the disciples in the boat. Have faith. You got to learn by faith. Psalm 121 is real. He who watches over me neither slumbers nor sleeps. He may feel like he's asleep on me, but he's wide awake. He is fully awake with his power and his goodness and his love for me. And so I'm learning to allow the questions I sense when I wrestle with what's wrong, that deep question, don't you care, to express that to him. And yet to have that time with him drive me to faith that he does care. One of my favorite verses is Romans 8, 31 through 32. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? When you really wrestle with what's wrong and your heart screams, don't you care? Look to the cross. He gave us his son. We know he cares. And he did. And he does. Second phrase is don't bother. Just a chapter later in Mark, after the incident with the boat and don't you care, a young girl dies because Jesus delays. As Jesus is on his way to the sick girl's house at the request of her father, he unexplainably stops to give merciful attention to an untouchable lady. And while Jesus stops and stoops for the bleeding woman, word comes that the little girl is no longer sick but dead. The response of the father is, why bother the teacher anymore? Isn't that often the response of our hearts when we sense God's delays that don't make sense to us? Why bother with him anymore? When God delays in our lives and things seem to go from bad to worse, the fear of grief often leads us to the trauma of cynicism. Somehow we believe that he is only powerful uh, to handle the bad conditions, but never the worst. And so we give up. And we say, why bother? Jesus' timing differs from ours, and we conclude that there's no use bothering him or even relating to him since it's too late, it's too far gone. He didn't live by our timing. But with Jesus, here's the good news of the passage. It doesn't matter if the little girl's asleep or dead. He holds all the power. And his plan is absolutely wise. And I am learning to live by faith that when it feels like he delays and when I, in my heart, want to say, why bother? That he has all power and that the delays that make me feel like things are impossible are not impossible for him. I'm learning to live by faith like the leper who knelt before Jesus saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. While I'm unsure of his plan, if he's willing, I'm confused by his delays. I, I must trust his power and his ability to intervene if he is so willing. Living by faith in the terror of grief enables us to move honestly and faithfully from don't bother to I'm not going to stop coming to you. So don't you care? Doesn't that arise in your heart when you wrestle with what's wrong? Don't bother cynicism. Things don't seem to change, get better. We tend to go there with Jesus, particularly when he delays. And last, if you had been here in John 11. In John 11, the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick, speaking of Lazarus. 
text tells us Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. That's one of the most baffling sentences to the human heart that the one you love is sick and you didn't come. You stayed two more days. Thus, it's no surprise when he shows up in verse 21 of John 11 that Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha is grieving. She's speaking with her Savior saying, I feel as though, Lord, you have been tragically absent and you abandon us in our greatest moment of need. We know you love him, but this doesn't feel like love. Don't you experience that very question? When pain and wrong visits your life, when you wrestle with all that's wrong in you, around you, and in this world, don't you wonder, is God here? Is he near? Because if he, if he was here, things might be different. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And we need to learn to express that to Jesus, but then we need to learn to receive what Jesus says to Mary and Martha. Do you believe? I am the resurrection and the life. Even though our circumstances make us feel that maybe God is absent or we feel abandoned, we must believe that, no, he's risen and that life that is truly life is found in him. And he reigns and rules over all things. So living by faith involves fusing our sincere questions to Jesus' stunning voice. We don't stop at our panic, but we move through to his power. We don't stop at our anxiety, but we move through to his authority. And so, if your heart is wrestling with what's wrong and deep inside you feel those statements and questions, don't you care? Don't bother If you had been there, talk to him about that and work through to faith in who he is and his power and authority. I want to close with reading the hymn, Whatever My God Ordains is Right. I think it really is is helpful here. This isn't calling for some stoic belief in sovereignty. This is, you'll see, I'm dealing with my grief. I'm wrestling with what's wrong and I'm seeking to live by faith. Whatever my God ordains is right. Holy his will abideth. I will be still whate'er he does, and follow where he guideth. He is my God, though dark my road. He holds me that I shall not fall. Wherefore to him I leave it all. Whate'er my God ordains is right. He never will deceive me. He leads me by the proper path. I know he will not leave me. I take content what he hath sent. His hand can turn my griefs away. And patiently I wait his day. Whate'er my God ordains is right, though now this cup in drinking may bitter seem to my faint heart. I take it all unshrinking. My God is true each morn anew. Sweet comfort yet shall fill my heart. And pain and sorrow shall depart. Whate'er my God ordains is right, here shall my stand be taken. 
Though sorrow, need, or death be mine, yet I am not forsaken. My Father's care is round me there. He holds me that I shall not fall. And so to Him I leave it all. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Pillar and Ground. We look forward to future episodes together with you.